0: In today's show, it's time to look at players who have been underperforming, players who have been overperforming, and go through whether that's going to stick or not. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So normally, this would be my buy low, sell high show, but it still is. The only difference is that most trade deadlines have passed in your league. So the focus is slightly different. It's not about, do you acquire this guy? Do you get rid of this player? Um, If you still can trade, all this sort of stuff still applies. But it's just to look at which guys are streaking, which guys are down in value and how we can see that stuff normalised before you start tearing your hair out or counting your chickens in a playoff match or go, look at me, I'm rolling and it's because someone's playing well above their head and there is going to be most likely a regression come. It's also important in dynasty leagues as well to understand your short-term trends and whether you can parlay that into extra value in deals. So, I hope all of that um, makes sense. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) Let's look back to how we did in this show for week 18 and the value of those guys who we had as buy lows and sell highs. The first one we had on that list was the thick hogsman, Tobias Harris. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. Harris was 156th and I said, I think, I, I don't think he's going to be good. I think that he might not be top 100, but I think he's going to be better. And he was like marginally better. Wouldn't say it's a W, but he was marginally better, 130th since we did that show. Drew Holiday was significantly better. That was an easy one. He was 83rd. In that two-week period, he's been 22nd since. I think 22nd has veered too far on the good side, and he'll probably push back into the 30 to 50 sort of range rest of season. And Paulie George was an easy one, too. He was 55th over that time frame. He's been 17th per game since. That's where George sits in that 17 to 24 sort of an area. I think he's 19th for the season, so that was an easy one. And it's always when Paul George struggles, it is something that is relatively easy to do in terms of buy lows because people hate him. They're always willing to find an excuse of pandemic P or playoff P or what the, the guy sits every game according to people. Like it's Again, I suppose if he's on your roster, you don't necessarily believe that, but there are people who just have these guys on their roster because they failed to them and they drafted them, but they actually don't believe the value that they're seeing right in front of their eyes. I'm sure that doesn't apply to any of you guys though. Jeremy Grant was 124th. He's actually gone way past his value. He's 41st since then. There is going to be some sort of a drop-off, I would suggest, after this. And, di- and then all that. that was, we only had 4 by buy-lows, actually. On the sell-highs, Darren Fox, well, he did regress. Not by much. He was 11th, and he's gone down to 15th. So, yes, he dropped off, but not that much. Jalen Brunson did drop off. And this is the interesting thing. Is look, when I put Jalen Brunson on as a, a sell-high two weeks ago... A lot of people would push back and disagree. There's no way. He's rolling. Absolutely am I not selling high on Jalen Brunson. This is ridiculous. That was a lot of the commentary that I got on it. And you would say in the last two weeks, Brunson hasn't really struggled at all. Yet he's been 59th per game in fantasy leagues since then. Because he's been great. But what he was doing in those two weeks prior was amazingly unsustainable. It just wasn't going to stick at that level. And as always, when we talk sell highs, if someone wants to give you a top 25 guy back, you do it. Otherwise, you do just enjoy what happened. And if you did get a top 25 guy back who's played at a top 25 value over those two weeks, then it's a huge W. Like then you actually extracted value because Brunson's been 59th since then. Derek White was 27th. We knew that there was going to be a fall off. It's been pretty significant. It does help now that Rob Williams is back out that White will keep starting, but he went from 27th to 149th. Josh Richardson went from 42nd to 91st, and I think that's going to fall even further. I, I don't know when he's going to be back, but I'd be pretty surprised if he continually played more minutes than Trey Murphy. And the other one was Markel Fultz, which didn't work out. I had him his 60th, or he was 60th. I like Fultz, but I think he might push into the 80s, but he actually got better. He's the top 50 player over the last two weeks. His... His... Season has been one of those annoying ones where I was all in on drafting Markel Fultz in that 100 range, all in. And then he got injured in the preseason. I went, oh, okay, I guess we're not going to draft him there. We'll push him back towards the later rounds. And that sort of breakout ability or sleeper ability I had on Fultz was nullified by a preseason injury. And he actually ended up far exceeding what I thought he would do even before he had the injury, which, you know. I don't know why I'm complaining about it, but he's been great, and he continues to be great. So that one as a sale high didn't work out, and that's the nature of the game. Let's look at the buy lows now. First one, we do go to Markel Fultz's teammate from the Orlando Magic. Orlando Magic. Orlando Magic. Wendell Carter Jr., 194th in the last two weeks in category leagues, 97th in points leagues. He's 98th in Category Leagues for the season, so it is a significant dip. In Points Leagues, you'll see there's not a big difference, and that happens a lot with these guys, because we know in Category Leagues, and people seem to be, not seem to be, are more tied to ranking numbers in Category Leagues than they are in Points Leagues, um, and the swings in Category League rankings can lead to poor decision-making, and that's why we, what we try to highlight here. Wendell is only averaging 28.5 fantasy points versus 30 for the season. It's not that big a difference. But in category leagues, we're talking 100 spots. So why? What's happening? Well, he can't shoot. The threes have disappeared. Over the last five games, he's hitting 16% of his threes. What's he? What's his total? Over that time, he's at three from 19. Oh, that's dreadful. For the season, he's a 34% three-point shooter. He can probably be a better than 34% three-point shooter, but it's not happening. And that is really hurting. And we know three-point percentage drags everything down. His overall field goal percentage is at 39% as a center. That's dreadful. His two-point percentage is at 53, and it was at 61 for the season. It was at 61 last season. It was at 60 the year before that. So that's not true. Let me rephrase that. It's at 61 this season. It was at 62 last season, and it was at 53 the year before that. But we're, we're sitting so far down here at 53%, which brings his overall field goals to 39%. And his assists—he's been a good assist player, averaging two and a half. But over the last five games, he has five assists, one assist per game. These are all seemingly small things, but they add up in a massive way. You go from being—and also, free throws down at sixty-nine percent, down from seventy-four. Now he's been at sixty-nine percent for about three months. He just started the season hot, so I'm not really including that. But the fact that he can't hit a three, the fact that his two-point percentage is down, the fact that he's not generating assists is really impacting stuff. And he's scoring at 12 points per game because he's not hitting threes anymore. Like he can hit threes at a better rate. He can hit twos at a better rate. This is basically two buckets made a game and it increases his three-point percentage, two-point percentage scoring. Everything goes up. It's not a big thing to do. And I would expect if you do have him to expect better production out of Wendell Carter Jr. as we move forward. Today's episode is brought to you by a new sponsor, Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. New sponsor, new partner, it's a mobile game, Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. If you've dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing a basketball franchise, your dream can come true and this game is definitely for you. We all got this yesterday as members of the Locked On team and downloaded onto our phones. We're joining a league and we're going up against each other to see who's able to rebuild their team and build their team into a powerhouse the fastest. You can trade and train players. You make your draft picks, you hire your coaches and your assistants and navigate your franchise through free agency of the draft and all the ups and downs of the season. I can't wait to go in and kick the ass of all these other Locked On hosts. I hope. Anyway, I'm sure some of them will be better than me. But you go in there, use your experience watching the NBA and understanding how to build a team. And you do that on this game, Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Locked On Fantasy Basketball listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app store. That's probasketballgm.com. Not .com. That's a different website. .com. Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. I'm sure new sponsors love cum jokes on the first time they're on the show. It wasn't even a joke. It was just a slip-up. Anyway, let's look at the next buy-low, Terry Rozier, who has been bad for most of the season. And I've said this a lot of times this year, that it took me two years to be convinced that Terry Rozier was a strong two-point shooter. And as soon as I got convinced, he turned into one of the worst two-point shooters in the NBA. Back, Sorry, back to one of the worst two-point shooters in the NBA. Since we recorded last or the last two or oh, sorry over the last two weeks, Roger's 186th in category leagues, 108th in points leagues. And for the majority of that time, Lamelo ball has been out. So the under, the expectation was that without Lamelo, you'd see more usage for Rogier. Hopefully he's fixed his efficiency, we'd see more assists, but well, that just didn't happen. He's averaging just twenty-eight fantasy points over this time versus thirty-five for the season. It's a big, big dip. Big dip. So what's happening? Well, maybe it's old mate Kelly Oubre. Because Rogier's just not taking shots. He's down from 18.9 for the season, down to 15.8. Usage down from 26 to 24.5. It's a big dip. It doesn't help that he's hitting his twos at 36%. He was at 52 and 51 the last two years. And that's what I said. Like I said, all right, now maybe he's a good shooter now. Because the year before that, he was at 44. And this season, he's at 47. And he can't hit anything at the moment. Also, without LaMelo Ball, his assists have dropped. Somehow, even though he's the nominal point guard, which again is a horrible coaching decision from Steve Clifford, put an actual point guard in there, mate, rather than Kelly Oubre. He's at 4.2 assists versus down from 4.8 for the season. It's frustrating. Like he just can't, like he's, is he a shooter that can't shoot? Is he a point guard that can't pass? I guess the answer to both those questions is yes. I say all this, expecting some sort of improvement here from Rozier. I expect that he doesn't be a 35% shooter from the field, which is what he is over the last six games, yeah? 42 is reasonable. I expect that he's not a 78 free throw guy, which, weirdly enough, because he's been 85 last season, 82 this season. Like, he should be better than that. I expect that we get more than 4.2 assists. Is that too much to ask for? Some of his bad steal numbers, they've, they've corrected. Like, that's back on track. But he just can't shoot. And his usage and field goal attempts have dropped as have his assists. So he's just less involved in everything. I think it's going to improve, but I don't know. I do feel pretty confident it's going to improve from here though, from 186. He'll definitely be back inside the top 100 and it's not going to take much. Like it's just going to take, get back to even bad two-point percentage versus atrocious two-point percentage, which is where he's at. Go on a hot streak of shooting 37% from three, considering he's at 33 for the season. That's all possible. And the way that things are, they can actually both happen at the same time with a boost in assists. There's no reason to suggest that Rogier, who's averaging 17 points over the last six games, 17, was it 17, three and four, like he could have a run of 21, three and six and a half. And then he's the 40th best player. Not hard to get there, but it's been a very, very disappointing season from Rogier. Speaking of disappointing seasons, let's go to Toronto. Let's go to Scott Barnes, who was ejected last game, the first ejection of his career. Shout out to old mate Scott Foster. 156th ranked player in category leagues over the last two weeks, Barnes he is, and he's 90th in points league. So what is actually going on here? Well, he's averaging 29 fantasy points over that time frame versus 34 for the season. So it's a significant drop. It's five fantasy points per game. What is going on with that? Now, Barnes is a guy that gets lauded for his playmaking and defense and Part of the reason he's disappointing is those things just aren't real in terms of what he's value. He's averaging 4.8 assists. That's fine. That's not elite. He's averaging one steal. That's definitely not elite. He's averaging 0.9 blocks, which is okay. But overall, he's been a big disappointment this season. But it's gotten worse because the shooting, which is a problem all season, has gotten worse as well. Down from 76 from the line down to 71. That hurts. He's only taking two and a half attempts per game, but It hurts. But he's also shooting 43% from two, down from 50 for the season. He was at 54 last year, so he just cannot hit two-pointers. And that drops everything down. And as I said, his steals are down from one to 0.7. One is still not great, but now he's even getting fewer steals, 0.7 steals over his last seven games. He's shooting under 40% from the field, and he's shooting under 28% from three over his last seven games. Now, his three-point shooting is under 30 for the season, so it's been bad all around. But his inability to score at the moment... Is inability to hit twos or threes or free throws or get steals or see his rebounds drop with Pirtle there. 1.6 rebounds down, that's a concern. And um, assists down as well. Like There are a lot of things here, I think, to be concerned about with Barnes. But in saying all of that, I do expect an improvement. I expect that he's not going to be a 40% field goal guy. That should jump up. I think there's a chance that the free throws jump back to 74, 75 um, and I think that we can get back to a steal per game, but again, it's it's all going to depend on your expectations with Barnes, because if you're here sitting here and going, well, he's an elite defender, he's going to get these big numbers. That's just not what he does. He's not. He's like a Clay Thompson type defender, and he's a, a good defender. He's not Clay level defender or what Clay was. He's a good defender without being a great defender. But what we have to look at with Barnes is that he's just not this high defensive stat generating player. He just, he just isn't that guy, and until it's proven otherwise, he won't be that guy. But I do expect improvement from all of this. Let's go to Washington and go to Bradley Beal, who I do have on my um, buy-low list here. Beal was on the sell high a couple of weeks ago, and he's sort of going up and down, up and down. Over the last two weeks, he's 90th in category leagues and 38th in points leagues. Interestingly, his points league difference not that much. He's actually averaging more fantasy points over the last two weeks than he is for the season. But in category leagues, he's well down, well down, and it's that—that's that's an interesting thing, I think. Anyway, 39 versus 37 fantasy points. So what's happening? Carney free throws. Last six games at 75%. When you are a guy who's at 84% from the season, which is a positive, it's a strong, it's a positive, it's not a super strong positive, but it's a positive. But you go from a positive to a negative from 84 to 75, then that is like a one standard score switch from 0.5 to negative 0.5. It's a big difference. And again, it doesn't seem like much. 75, that's eh, not bad. 84, that's eh, pretty good. But it is big. It's it's a big, important difference. The other thing is, he can't hit shots. His sh- shooting has dropped way off. 46% from two. He's at 55 for the season. Now, the 55 for the season is like a career best for Bill So maybe we could have expected some regression. But down to 46, that's a very, very low number. And that has brought his overall field goal percentage down from 51 down to 44 taking him from again a positive in that category to given his volume to a significant negative because he's taking 21 and a half attempts per game at 44% turning him into a punt field goal guy. Also, this is a guy that in the past has been a big steals guy. Now a lot of people did think that we'd get big steals back from Beal this season. I didn't think that, but I also didn't expect him to go to 0.8. That's a very low number and then it's somehow getting worse. Half a steal a game over the last 6 games there is significant room for Bill to improve I think he's like a 40 to 50 ranked guy rest of the season not and not 90s but that'll just it's just a couple of things here hit a few more twos hit your free throws at your normal level and bang we're back in business last by low it's bolse- it's A bolse- 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 bitch. yep big Nick Vucevic is down 88th in category leagues 67th in points leagues. He's averaging 33 fantasy points versus 39 for the season. He's been pretty good this season. I know there, they're, if you look at total rankings including turnovers, he'll be like the seventh best player. Which again should illustrate to you while using total rankings and nine cat value is a horrible way of valuing players because under no circumstance does that translate to anything. And Nick is not a top ten player, very clearly, right? But we say this that he is going to, he's going to improve from here. What is happening to drop him way off? Well. Shots. Just, if you want to summarize this show, it's always like, ah, shots aren't going in or hmm, shots are going in at a really high rate. That is the thing. And it's often hidden because it's the biggest impact, as you're well aware, is three-point percentage. And on fantasy sites, when they list the stats, they only list the stats that are included in the categories you count. And for most leagues, three-point percentage isn't. Yet it's the thing that influences form the most. So he's hitting 22% of his threes. That's obviously dreadful. He's only at 32% of his last 27 games, which is not particularly good. But this is a guy that should be hitting over 30, like 32, 33. And that that has an impact. It drops his overall field goal percentage. But what he's also done is in this time frame decided, well, I'm not hitting free throws anymore either. He's actually down to 74% over the last 27 games there too. And he's at 81 for the season. But he's had some big fluctuations in his free throws. The last three years, 78, 84, 76. And he is at 81, but it has dropped way off. Also, where are the rebounds? 9.2 rebounds versus 11.2. That that is, again, when your biggest strength is rebounds, his Z score for rebounds this season is at 2.11. Elite of the elite at 11. You go down to 9.2 and his Z score is 1.2. So you've lost one full standard score worth of value. Tie that in with losing 3 percentage points on your field goals, with losing 9 percentage points on your free throws, and the fact that he never gets steals or blocks, not great. I had someone tell me that they were so disappointed in Giannis' season, they traded him away for Vuc and they've been so happy with the results because Giannis doesn't get defensive stats. I think Vuc's value is one of those ones that is entirely inflated by the rank number that appears on your fantasy site because it's not, it's not that good. And... He's in a real struggle at the moment. And this is this is me pumping up Vich, saying, hey, he's not this bad. He will jump up from where he is. He will be better than what, what we're at here because that field goal percentage and the free throw percentage will likely increase. But in saying that, he's at 51 for the season from the field. He was at 47 last season, 48 the year before that, 48 the year before that. So don't be surprised. Again, it, it probably can because the three points are going to jump up. But maybe he sort of sits in this area. Julius Randle has been great this season. He was a guy that fell amazingly in drafts. I was able to draft him in one league at like 100. And I was not particularly high on Julius Randle this season. I was higher on him than a lot of others, but still not that high and obviously way off where he's actually been. Um, but what he's doing at the moment is just not going to stick. I don't care how much you want to bing-bong or how much you want to talk about the Knicks or how much you want to love Julius Randle or how much you want to love what they're doing, and they've been great. They've been one of the hottest teams. They're actually fun to watch as well, which is awesome from the Knicks, but what this what he is doing is just not continuable. It's not. He's averaging 46 fantasy points versus 44 for the season. That's not that far off, but when you look at category leagues, he's 12th over the last two weeks, 16th in points leagues, but 12th in category leagues. Doing that while generating a combined... 0.7 steals and blocks, 0.5 steals and 0.2 blocks. And that's fine because he never does that. He's never going to get defensive stats. It's not. He's also reduced his rebound numbers as well. So he's gone from 10 rebounds down to seven rebounds over the last six games. Somehow jumped up to be the 12th ranked player. But what is going to change here? Well, it's really, really simple. He's hitting 48% of his threes. It just isn't going to continue you hit 48% of your threes and your field goal percentage jumps way up to is it 54% from the field when he's at 47 for the season from a negative into a positive a big switch it's it's just simple stuff his free throws also at 80%. Now that might stay. I don't really trust Julius Randle to be an 80% free throw guy but that might stay. The other thing that Bear's mentioning or Bear's watching is that his field goal attempts, and they started off pretty low this season, and they kept creeping up and creeping up. He's up to 21 attempts per game over the last six games, up from 18 for the season. But he has been able to maintain a usage of over 30% over the last 40 games. So that one might stick. It's just, to me, the shooting. Like, 48% from three is not real. He's at 36 for the season. He's not going to stick at that level of shooting. Nobody is. So expect a regression from Julius Randle. If you do have the ability to trade, don't accept anything that's not a top 20 player. Uh, and if you get it, fantastic. Well done to you. That's great. Because when Julius Randle gets cold, he's like the 130th best player because he shoots 30% from the from the three-point line and 42% on 30 attempts, and it's dreadful with no defensive stats to back it up. But if you can't get a good trade, you roll with it, you enjoy it. Just if you are relying upon big Julius Randle stuff in your playoffs, there's a big red flag there that is going to, at some point, drop off and hurt. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanJul Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And You can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and three-pointers drained. Today's games. let's have a look. Those New York Knicks, they are 10-point favorites over the Hornets. I actually think they'll smash them. I think they'll win by more than that. Maybe Randall hits 60% from three. But you can go check out all of the individual player props. You can look at the lines, the totals, um, the the spread. All of that is there. And FanJul even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to on. That's on To learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the M. NBA. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. Well, that took a long time to do buy lows. I hope the sell highs don't take that long. Let's go back to Chicago. And of course, I'm lying because I just did sell highs already. So I don't know why I'm telling you that they were buy lows because we just had a sell high in Julius Randle. Anyway, that's fine. Um, oh, what's wrong with me? Let's go to Julius, uh, Julius Randall—to Zach Levine, who is a sell-high here. He's 14th over the last two weeks, 35th in points leagues over that time. He's averaging almost 40 fantasy points versus 37 for the season. And much like the aforementioned Julius Randle, Levine is doing it because he cannot miss. 51% from three, 61% from two. That has brought his overall field goal percentage to 58%. And I've said this many, many times. You will see NBA social media, um, basketball social media, NBA Twitter, Instagram, and they'll post, Zach Levine is on fire. He's averaging 31 points on 58, 58, 51, 91 splits, and everyone will praise that rightfully so, right? Man, Levine killing it. Yes. Me, on the other hand, look at that and go, oh, oh no, he is going to be shit house coming up because nobody, nobody maintains that. This is great. But I look at that and go, oh, massive outliers. Massive. And it, 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 it's hard to just always look at a good performance and go, oh, that's not going to stick. But it's sort of the nature of what we have to do here because it just isn't going to stick. He's a 38% three-point shooter for the season, so he's 13% percentage points above average. He's 7 percentage points above average in his twos, and he's 6 percentage points above average on his free throws. His true shooting for the season 61. Over the last two weeks, it's 72 it is not going to stick. And of course, three-point percentage influences your threes made. It influences your scoring. Your two-pointers influence your field goal percentage and your scoring. And your free throw percentage influences your free throw percentage and your scoring. He is going to lose a lot. Those 31 points a game, they're going to fall off. They, they they just are. His usage is up at 31%. And often, if a player gets really hot streak like Levine at the moment, more shots get fed to him. And then when they don't go in, he doesn't take the shots. And that is going to be a problem here. So, I wouldn't be shocked if we have a run where Levine is 60th or 70th because those numbers have just no chance of sticking. And guess what? The next guy, it's the same story. Clay Thompson is a sell high or an overperforming player. He's 23rd over the last two weeks. 42nd in points leagues, averaging 38 fantasy points versus 32 for the season. A couple of things here with Clay: Is he a really good three-point shooter? Of course he is. He's at 41% from the season. And at the start of the year, I thought he was cooked. I didn't think he was ever getting back to being this elite guy. And I was wrong. He's been great. But, right, he's hitting 47% over the last seven games from three. Probably not going to stick, yeah? Big, big drop coming, I think. The other thing to watch is usage up at 20 or 30% without Steph. And with Steph, I think it's going to push back to 27, which is where it's been for the season, maybe even lower than that. He's also, and I can't preclude him from being a 90% free throw shooter because he's close to it. But he's at 96% over the last two weeks from the free throw line. In fact, I'm pretty sure he's missed one free throw. He has. He's missed one free throw over the last two weeks, over the last seven games. So there is a difference between 89.5 and 95.5 from the free throw line. All of this stuff adds up. He can remain an elite free throw shooter and an elite three point shooter while still losing 35 spots of fantasy value because that 48 goes or 47 goes down to 42, the 96 goes down to 90, and they're still elite numbers. But elite versus wow, that's amazingly elite is a difference in fantasy that doesn't always get captured uh, when talking about the player overall. I feel like every one of these players and It is, because it's true. Every one of these guys that I'm going to talk about in the cell highs is just shooting the lights out. And the next guy is Al Horford, who is dominating. Did you think I was going to say that Al Horford was dominating? Because he is. He's 38th over the last two weeks. How? Well, 62% from three. (laughs) There you go. He's at 38th in category leagues, 76th in points leagues, averaging six more fantasy points per game, 31 versus 25 over the course of the season. Now, he has been elite shooting the three ball all season, 45%. He hit 34 last season, 37 the year before that, 35 the year before that. So not only is 62% over the last six games, which in terms of volume, it's at 23 from 37, like an insane volume. and it will ins- That's insane. 23 of 37 is an insane run. Not only is there a big drop to get back to what he's shooting for the season, but we are talking about a guy here who's almost 30 percentage points above what he was last season. 30 percentage points. There is going to be a huge reckoning because him falling from 62 doesn't mean he falls to 45. He might fall to 33. And that is just ridiculous. He's hitting almost four threes a game over his last six games. He's also playing three extra minutes per game because there's been a lot of overtime games there. And Rob Williams is out. So I think they'll dial him back down to 30, 31 minutes. And his field goals, which are at 48 this season, are up at 59%. We know the issues with Al Horford this season. He's been a struggle with all the the games missed on back-to-backs. The low usage, which he is a low usage player. Half a steal, two assists, six rebounds. But just putting up dominating numbers. Not missing any... Hasn't missed a single free throw. Never taking them. But hasn't missed a free throw. Hitting 60% of his field goals, 62%, was it 62%, 2% of his threes, it's going to fall off. And he's going to fall back outside the top 100 really quickly. And it's going to be, it probably, the fall off is probably going to be pretty messy, which is going to come at the worst time in fantasy playoffs. And the last guy we get to as a sell high is Emmanuel Quickly. Now, I'll tell you why this one is an easier sell high is because the buzz on Quickly at the moment is out of control. Everyone is talking about Emmanuel Quickly. I hear all the time how good Emmanuel Quickly is, how good the Knicks are. Emmanuel Quickly somehow now has Marcus Smarted his way into being the favorite for sixth man of the year when he was like fifth favorite a month ago. Very much again, the way that it happened with Marcus Smart and defensive player of the year last season. Um, He's had like this really strong run. Absolutely no doubt. He's been great over this little period of time, Emmanuel, quickly. But people are taking this two, three-week period and suggesting that he's been this player all season, which he just hasn't. Because we can look at this here and go, he's 40th in category leagues over the last two weeks, 55 in points leagues, averaging 35 fantasy points versus 25 for the season, right? So the 25 for the season, not particularly strong. What's happened over these last this last little period of time for quickly to jump up and become everyone's favorite player? Well, he's hitting every shot in the world. 64% from two versus 53 for the season. 46% from three versus 37% for the season. Those are two really obvious numbers that aren't going to stick. And again, people were talking, man, look quickly. He's hitting 68% true shooting, leading the Knicks, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but that is just not going to stay. He's not going to be a 68% true shooting guy. Now, over the last 26 games, he's at 63% true shooting which is strong. Obviously, 51% from the field, 61 from two, 41 from three. But I just fear that it's going up and up and up and up and it's going to come back down. It's really hard for a guard to maintain that level of efficiency. He's also done it while increasing his usage up to 24% over the last six games. There's no denying that he's been really good because he has been 40th best player. But there's a lot of unsustainability there. He's averaging four rebounds under three assists. The 21 points is good, but it's coming on 68 true shooting which again is just not likely to be able to continue. So if you are relying upon Emmanuel quickly, and why wouldn't you? Because he's playing really well. Just understand that there is going to be a stretch here where for the season, he's averaging 13, four and three and he's the 135th best player. And he's still got a battle with Barrett and Hart and Grimes for minutes because he played 55 minutes last game. Played 22 the game before that, 22 the game before that. Doesn't really hit 30 minutes as a regular thing at all. And some nights he plays 23, 22. And if the shot doesn't fall, then you're not left with much. And that's what's important to do. But if you were in a position to sell high, all of the buzz is flying around quickly at the moment. You might be able to get a really good player back. You might not be, but you might be able to get a really good player back in exchange for him, if you can still trade. And guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the order app. And if you're here on YouTube, thumb it up. And leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.